So today, this Sunday, is what we see or know in the Christian calendar as Pentecost Sunday. This, in reality, is the birthday of the church, and it was 2,000-odd years ago that the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples in the upper room. This was the start of the Christian church. So today's Pentecost Sunday, so I'm going to speak a little bit about the Holy Spirit. It is a massive, massive subject, but let's look at the verse in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So the question that I want to ask, the filling of the Holy Spirit, who does that? Do we fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit, or does God fill us with the Holy Spirit? Think about that for a moment. We know a lot about the Holy Spirit. We uh, have um, discussed the work of the Holy Spirit. We know that He is at work in our lives. We know that He indwells the believer and, and that He gives us power. But how does He fill us? How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? The problem is that we don't know that much about the Holy Spirit. A number of years ago, I was sitting in a, a group of ministers, and we broke up into little groups, and the question was asked, how much does your congregation know about the Holy Spirit? So in our discussion, we, we realized our congregations know a lot about the Father, the fatherhood and the father heart of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, for God so loved. We know the father loves us before we respond with our love to the Lord. Before that, we need to realize God's love for us. We know about the Father heart of God, and we know about Jesus. We know that he came, he did incredible miracles, he spoke wonderful words, wisdom, uh, words of power, words of authority, he healed people, there were miracles that took place, he died on the cross for us, and he rose again, and he ascended on high. We know about Jesus, but how much do we know about the Holy Spirit? We know a lot about the Father, we know a lot about Jesus, the Son. How much do we know about the Holy Spirit? So we had to rate ourselves. I was probably for my congregation, the Presbyterian congregation back then, probably the Father Heart of God, seven, seven and a half, the Son, Jesus, eight, Holy Spirit, well, four or five. I got a little bit of a higher rating than some of the other congregations, but that's not the point. The point is, the Holy Spirit is probably the least known of all the members of the Godhead. The least known. You know, there's a passage in Ephesians chapter 19 where Paul gets to Ephesus. You know that Ephesus was, the book of Ephesus was great, but Paul, on his arrival, he starts meeting with a bunch of believers and after a, a few songs, he says, do you guys know about the Holy Spirit? And they say, no, we've never, ever heard of the Holy Spirit. And I would imagine that there are many churches that are like that. We know, we, 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 we're Trinitarians, we know about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we don't know what the work of the Holy Spirit does. So let me ask you, personally now, 
How do you rate the Holy Spirit's work in your life? How much of the work of the Holy Spirit, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, do you know here this morning? So I want to share a little bit and just talk about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. But more, I want to share about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that it's one of the most important principles in the Bible. It is a source of spiritual and supernatural power, and we can have that supernatural spiritual power every single day. It is a great need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is our great need. And even here this morning, in this hour, it is a great need for us. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? What difference does it make in our lives? And how does it happen to each and every single one of us? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit right here, right now, this morning? Big question. I want you to remember that question. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, Am I f- are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Just turn to the person. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, that, that question, that question can make us a little uneasy. All right. So that's the question that I'm going to be asking this morning. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? So first of all, I'm going to talk about three misconceptions. The first misconception is sometimes we think that this is a, an emotional experience. And for some people, it is an emotional experience. Some people, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they do strange things. I remember when I was just out of university, I was traveling in the United States, and I was in a church in Florida, and they had a a kind of a revival meeting. They call it a revival meeting. It's not so common here in South Africa, but they had a revival meeting. And halfway through the song, there was one of the song leaders, the the girls that were, she she dropped the mic, so it was this... And I mean, this microphone through the sound system. I mean, they couldn't hear the music except for the singing of the speakers that were responding to this drop mic. And she started turning around in a circle because the Holy Spirit was on her. And I went like, really? I'd just come out of university, out of this very cerebral environment where we think and we discuss and spinning in a circle like a top. I mean, really? I didn't understand it. But for her, it was an unusual moment that she had with the Lord. But sometimes our emotions are involved and sometimes not. I've had many, many moments where I've been crying. I came to Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. I gave my life to the Lord. I didn't have one single emotion. But about a month and a half later on Pentecost Sunday, 1974, (laughs) many, many moons ago, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and for me, that was a very emotional experience. Cried, laughed, cried, laughed, cried some more. And for some people, it could be some are more emotional than others. You know, you, you, you talk to uh, 
we've just had a team that has gone over to uh, Brazil. I mean, the Brazilians, when, you, when they watch football, they have to have huge kind of gulfs between the soccer field and the stadium because if they get onto the field, if the ref has made a bad decision, they'll slaughter that ref. They'll rip them to pieces. And when, when, they, when they start cheering, I mean, they take off their shirts and they start, ole, 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 ole. I haven't seen the South Africans pull off their shirts. But I mean, I, I, I was emotional in the World Cup in 2019 when, when in the last few minutes when the ball got to Cheslin Colby and those dancing feet just slipped through that English defense. And I mean, I got up out of my seat and I said, Cheslin, you beauty! Me. Boring me. But I was so excited to see him just slip through those big, burly English props. Oh, it was a beautiful sight. <laughs> but emotions work differently. <laughs> I mean, and I, and I, we, we, we need, when we pray for people, we need to watch as we pray, as we pray through different sections, when we get to pray for one another just now. I remember my dad told a story. He was praying for one person, one lady. She came forward. And she was asking for the, 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 the uh, filling of the Holy Spirit, and he was praying. And all of a sudden, she, he felt that there wasn't anything pushing back, you see. But he felt hair on his, his, so he opened his eyes, and all that he had in his hand was her wig. She was flat on the floor. <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you do with that? So he, he, he leant down and he put the wig back, you know. Uh, <laughs> so when, when we pray for folk, keep your eyes open. <laughs> keep your eyes open. But we all respond differently. But it's not only an emotional experience. There are times that we need to say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And sometimes it, he comes and he blesses us, but we're not necessarily emotional. And it's not only reserved for special Christians. You know, back when I was initially filled with the Holy Spirit, the big thing was speaking in tongues. And we used to ask, do you speak in tongues? And I mean, there was this understanding that if you didn't speak in tongues, you were lesser than. Until I got into the ministry a few years later, and I met a man who had been prayed for the, the, the release of tongues in his life. He was a godly man. He was one of my elders at the Presbyterian Church in Mullerton, a godly, wonderful man who exercised the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits, not by their gifts, but by their fruits. And a man who exuded love and joy and patience and gentleness and all those wonderful fruits. But he didn't speak in tongues. No matter what happened, he was just never able to pray in tongues. But was he less than a Christian? Lesser than because he wasn't able to speak in tongues? But he was a God-anointed, God-fearing, spirit-filled man. And sometimes we don't want the Holy Spirit because it's such a controversial subject. Oh, we've seen this tension and this division taking place in churches throughout the last few decades. 
controversial. You know the Azusa Street revival that took place at the turn of the 20th century in Los Angeles? The guy who did that was probably blind in one eye, a wonderful, wonderful, godly black man. When he came into meetings, he put a box over his head. How strange. How strange. You know, and, and people criticized him. What are you putting a box over your head for? Where do you see that in the Bible? But let me tell you, when he took that box off and he started to minister in words of wisdom and words of knowledge and started to pray for people, people were incredibly healed. Ah. If that's what the Holy Spirit requires for me to put a box over, I ain't going to be participating in that. Some of us might say. But weird. Hmm? It's controversial. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples got together and they started speaking in tongues. And there were flames upon their head. It wasn't like a little candle that we got during load shedding, you know. This is, this is a flamethrower. And people said, this is with their response. Let's, let's look at that Acts 2, chapter 15, verse 15, verse. Peter stands up and he says, These men are not drunk, as you suppose. Okay? They were acting like they were drunk. This is a different kind of drunk. No, it's a different kind of drunk. It's not a drunk with, a spirit, with, with wine, like that verse in Ephesians chapter 5. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, drunk people and spiritful people sometimes have something in common. Let me, let, me, let me give you some analogies here. <laughs> Years ago, I was driving with a friend to the wild coast. I just finished university, and we're going, we're going to spend a few days down the wild coast and camp a little bit. And uh, we came around one corner. It was very early in the morning, and daybreak had just started to. And we came around a corner, and we saw a car that was flipped over. We thought, oh, somebody had an accident. But as we got closer, the wheels were still spinning and there was smoke coming out of the engine from the underneath part. So we thought, this, this accident has just, just taken place. So we stopped and we looked inside and there was a guy lying on the inside of the roof. And we thought, oh gosh, this is a bad accident. The car has flipped over. I hope he's not dead. So we started to pull him out. And as we put our heads into the cabin of the car, it smelt like a brewery. I mean, this guy was as drunk as a skunk, man. He was just... So we pulled him out. He managed to come to. We set him up. Immediately went for his smokes. And he says, do you have a light for me? But, I mean, this car was shot. I mean, it was messed up. But he didn't have one scratch. One broken bone. No injuries. Because he just was drunk and he flopped around in the middle of that car and he got out fine. You know, sober people, if he was sober, he probably would have been very badly injured. I mean, a drunk person can fall down a flight of stairs 
and bounce back and get up and walk away. If you're sober, you fall down those stairs, you're going to break 30 bones. Right? The point of the story is, remain drunk in the spirit and you won't get hurt by life situations. <laughs> drunk people enjoy loving. Hello, you, my brother. If you can't find anybody to hug when you're drunk, you go out and you hug a lamppost. <laughs> they're very loving. And they're very liberal. I mean, if you're, if you're a little bit um, <laughs> I want you to buy everybody a round of drinks. Yay! Liberal. You won't find a sober person, everybody buying a round of drinks. And when you're drunk in the Spirit, you give liberally to the work of the kingdom of God. And so they are very close. If, if I had to look back on the 40 years that I've been in ministry, I would honestly say that the one thing that I would redo is to focus more and to speak more about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. That is what I believe is the missing discipline and the missing practice in the church now is God's Holy Spirit. Let's look at that Ephesians 5 passage again. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The Living Bible translation says, don't be drunk with wine, because it will only ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Mm, I like that. Eugene Peterson's translation in the message says, Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. Huge drafts. Drafts, you don't necessarily, I've been to a few wineries, you don't find drafts associated with wine. You could see that Eugene Peterson wasn't a drinker. But what he's saying is, get big jugs and drink in the Spirit of God. Drink the Spirit of God. That's a wonderful picture here. But there is a contrast, and I just want to point out a few observations. There is a contrast between wine and the Spirit. You see, the two of them, it's an issue of influence and control. If you're under the influence, you don't have control. You talk to a drunk person, they don't have any influence. If they, if they are influenced, they don't have any control. No control. They have altered behavior, and they begin to say and do things that they don't ordinarily do, ordinarily do. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 21. This is what the Spirit of God does when you are filled with the Spirit. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Wisdom coming for this, for this, in this age. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Just wisdom. We need 
wisdom. We need to see the opportunities that God gives to us. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The Spirit of God will give us understanding of God's will in our lives. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Once again, that command coming to us to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. We speak to one another. We, we, we participate in worship together with one another, and our hearts are just filled with attitudes of thanksgiving, and then giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ, an attitude of social submission to one another. This is what being filled with the Spirit means. Somebody gave a definition of submission is being paralyzed in the arms of another person. This is also a command. It's a command. It's not an option. It's a command for all of us. Be filled with the Spirit all of the time. If you aren't, I think that you are out of God's will. It is a present, continuous tense. It's an ongoing thing. I mean, when we lived in Durbanville, we lived in uh, Kenridge, up Kenridge Avenue, it's got a whole, whole host of large plane trees. Now, plane trees in autumn, they drop off all their leaves. I mean, there was just piles and piles of leaves. And I said to our gardener at one point, I want you to clean all the leaves from the uh, front area. So I went out, came back probably late afternoon just to pay him and to see that he had done all the stuff. And there were leaves all over the front. I said, didn't you clean up the leaves? He says, no, I did. Yeah, yeah look at the dustbin. It's full. So it's a continuous thing. The leaves were just falling. It's a continuous thing. Be filled with the Spirit is a continuous present action. It's not just be filled with the Spirit and, okay, I'm done. But it's a continuous thing that takes place. There's one translation that says, be constantly filled or controlled by the Spirit. And it's passive. It's a passive thing. I'm going to explain this a little bit. It's, if I say to you, um, Mark, I want you to go and get me a cup of coffee please. So it's a command. Goes, he gets a, that's an active command, but this is a passive command. Be filled. So I'm going to ask Skulk to come up, and Skulk's going to say, so Skulk, I'm going to say to you, beloved. <laughs> beloved. See, nobody's moving. They're all frozen there. Because you only loved when they respond and they love you back. But you see, look at his body language. Look at his body language. <laughs> Be filled with the Spirit. What does being filled with the Spirit mean? It means 
I'm wanting, I see the need, and I'm opening myself and making myself available. I am submitting myself, surrendering myself to be filled with the Spirit, and it is God who does the filling. We don't do the filling. God is the one who comes to us and who fills us. And the command is also one of corporate. It says here, all. Speaking to one another in psalms. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual. Submitting to one another out of your reverence for Christ. That is a corporate command that takes place. Not for ourselves. It's for the whole church. And so the command is not only for me. It's not only for Mark. It's not only for Tanya. It's not only for Skulk. It's for all of us as a congregation. Be filled with the Holy Spirit for all of us. For all of us. But sometimes, sometimes we just feel deflated. You know, when I was growing up, my mom used to buy helium balloons for us. And used to get these helium balloons at our birthday and we celebrated, they all were up, up in the air. The next morning, we used to wake up in the morning, and the helium balloon was half full and halfway up. Why? Because through those little holes in the balloon, the helium started to leak out. It leaked. And I think it's a fairly good illustration that we, as Christians, we leak. Daily life drains us and we leak. And so we're not full, prop full, but we start to diminish and we are only halfway. But I think that there's a better illustration. And the better illustration is, you know, those trains that are above the ground in places like New York City and Chicago uh, you can't have them here because of load shedding. No, no. <laughs> so they, they've got wheels, but they've got a center wheel that touches an electrical line. And when, when, that, when that wheel comes up, the, the, the train comes to a standstill, comes, slows down and comes to a standstill. And as soon as it touches, off it goes. And that's, we need to have that third wheel of being filled with the Holy Spirit that needs to have that contact going all the time. Our greatest need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are you this morning? How are you feeling in your relationship with the Lord? You know, sometimes God wants to come and fill us, but our, our, our lives are just jam-packed with stuff. Absolutely jam-packed. Jam-packed with self-centeredness, with our own thoughts, our own events, and the Lord can't fill us. Sometimes the Lord wants to come and fill us, but the lid of the jar of our lives is on as well. And the Holy Spirit would just spill all over the place. You know, one of the most impacting verses that I've read in the last little while is that vision that Isaiah had 
in the book of Isaiah of, of the Lord in chapter 6, where he saw the Lord and he cries out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But the verse starts off in Isaiah chapter 6 and it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You see, he, he, he only had an experience. He only had a vision of God when a king died. And sometimes when we want to see the Lord, when we want to encounter the Lord, a king has to die in our life. Maybe it's king self and maybe it's king pleasure or maybe some other king that's dominating your life. So sometimes we're just so full of ourselves and the Lord can't fill us. How full are you of yourself? I remember preaching about surrender in another congregation and a woman came and she said to, you, you just described my husband. Shame. You know, and she said it with tears in her eyes. He's just so full of himself, so full of his own attention, so full of all his own things that the Lord can't touch him. But aren't we like that sometimes? We're just so full of our own situation that we can't experience the filling of the Lord. How full are you of God's Spirit this morning? The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. That needs to come out of a sense of need, needs to come out of willingness. We have to be conscious of need. We have to be willing to yield ourselves. The Holy Spirit is not poured into our lives for our own personal enjoyment. You see, one of the things that has taken place in the past where people say, come and experience the glory of God and come and be touched by the Spirit of God, that's fair enough. But you know, we'll have many, many moments of glory and wonder when we're in heaven one day. The Lord has given us a task, and our task is to bring the gospel to the unsaved and to unbelievers. And that's the job that we need to be doing. The Holy Spirit comes so that we can be witnesses. See, one of the things that we need to understand also, and this is a famous Chinese prayer, if we want revival, if we want to see a move of God's Spirit, we need to draw a circle around ourselves and we need to pray for the person in the circle. That's when revival will begin to take place. See, our nation would be better when our churches are better and our churches will be better when our people are better and our people will be better when they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Spirit this morning? I want to invite you to come and to receive prayer and to be filled with the Spirit. If you live another day without the Holy Spirit, it's not because God doesn't want to fill you, it's because you're not making yourself available to Him. So the question is, as I finish off, have you made yourself available to Him so that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to just pray a general prayer now. And then I want us to break up into groups and to pray for one another. People need prayer for healing. People need prayer just to be filled with the Spirit. I want us to saturate this place in prayer this morning. May God's Spirit break out upon us.
May God's Spirit pour out His love, His power on us as His people. So I'm going to pray a general prayer, and then we're going to just break up into groups of five, and we're going to just pray for one another.